Hey guys, welcome to the Babylon Pastors podcast sponsored by ODG Apparel. I am one of your hosts, Michael. And I'm Rob. Glad you're here to listen in while we talk about church, theology, and everything in between. Hey everybody, how's it going today? Welcome back to the Babbling Pastors podcast. We're both here to babble to you. Um, so this month, if you didn't know from last week, this month we're doing question and answer time because we have all the answers. That's not true at all. <laughs> no, we um, don't. No, that's not. <laughs> no not, not even sort of close to a little bit. But um, where essentially you guys sent us a bunch of questions, way more than we could ever cover in uh, four sessions, but um, a lot of really good questions. And so we've we've uh, set this up this month so that we're going to do um, one question that's going to be fairly quick to answer and then have a, a lengthier discussion on uh, another question. So um, last week we did, um, how was it worded? How was the question worded? It was homosexuality, but it, okay. Where in the Bible does it say homosexuality is a sin? That's what we did last week. And it took us about 15 hours. So um, yeah. And I wish I could comment. I, I've, I, I've told some of you guys that have messaged about this, but in case you don't know, we record all of these at one time. I don't wear the same shirt all month. That's not what happened. Like we record all these through. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that one. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that, uh, that one went yet, but I'm sure it was interesting. Um, and then this, this, this week should be fairly interesting as well, though obviously probably not as controversial, but I hope as informative. So. Yeah, I think so. So the very, the, the quick question that we, um, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really have to be a quick one, but we're going to make it one. Um, someone asked, how can we guarantee our place in heaven? And uh, the short answer, because of how the question is worded is uh, we can't. Um, you, you literally can't guarantee your place in heaven. That's not your job, right? The, so scripture tells us that salvation is not of ourselves, that we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. And um, God does that on purpose because God is the one that gets the glory for people being saved um, from his wrath. So uh, if, if you had something to do with it, if you could guarantee your uh, salvation, your ticket into heaven or whatever, um, then... God would not, you would deserve some of the glory for that. You would deserve some of the pat on the back for getting into heaven. And that's just not the case. Um, yeah. So that's, that's one thing um, about the question. Um, and yeah, so you know what, when I was thinking about the answer to that question, I've been trying to memorize scripture, um, which I'm, I'm terrible at. Right. Yeah, First I've, of all, I'm really good at going, well, Paul said something like uh, in some somewhere places. in the Bible. <laughs> right. Um, but in John, um, it was funny when I was at, when I was uh, dealing with this question in my head, John chapter 10 came to mind and that because that happens to be what I'm working on right now. And in that um, text, the specific few verses that I'm uh, working through, uh, Jesus is telling um, he's, he's talking to, uh, sheep and not sheep, right? Uh, he's the good shepherd. And, um, he says that, uh, you, uh, if you are, he essentially says, I'm the one that, um, no one is able to take, uh, you, the sheep mm -hmm. from, 
my uh, hands, right? And then he says, the father who has given them to me, the sheep. So the father is the one who gives the sheep, right? It's not you or me or anyone else. It's not a bunch of voluntary sheep coming into a pen. It has nothing to do with it, right? Um, so the father gives the sheep to the son and the father is more powerful or greater than all others. And so the sheep, no one is able, it even says, to take the, to snatch the sheep from the father's hand. So the father being the actor, right, in that, that scenario. So God is the one who saves. God is the one who does that and guarantees, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, I think uh, yeah, go on, ahead. On, on that, uh, two things. One, as a teaser, because obviously there's a lot of theology in that. Um, next month, in, uh, in April, uh, we'll be talking about Calvinism and Arminianism, going through tulips. So if, you're, uh, if you go, well, I don't agree with what you just said on that, uh, we'll be discussing that in, the next, in next month's episode. April. Uh, April, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say April, the, the unofficial title for April is Celebrity Deathmatch. I don't know. I don't know if anyone, you have to be at least as old as us to yeah. get this, but Celebrity Deathmatch, John Calvin and James Arminius. Yeah, so we'll be doing that. Thank now, uh, as a, to get back to the question, I just wanted to tease that out a little bit, but to get back to the question, uh, when I saw this, this question, uh, what came to mind was uh, an R.C. Sproul quote that I had heard one time where he said, he goes, he goes, I know I, I'm saved. He, he, I mean, as far as like, I've trusted in who Jesus is. But he goes, if I die today and I wake up in hell, I can't argue with God on that because he's the one that decides. Uh, he goes, I'm confident in who Jesus is. I'm confident in what he's done for me. The whole grace through faith that you've just said. But he goes, like, if, if that happens then I trust that his, he is the one that is correct, which basically just points to the, back, to the fact that God is sovereign. He's the one that does it. His decision is the one that counts. Um, and it's the matter of, it's not about let's, let's secure my golden ticket. It's that I trust that God's will and who he is is superior over everything else. So it's not about like, well, I've got my hotel check-in in room 492 in heaven in the hotel. It's that I trust and follow Jesus. So yeah, and actually in that same text that I was um, doing terrible at because we're recording, um, <laughs> but it, that same text, Jesus actually says, and I give them, or I give eternal life to them, mm -hmm. right? Which is literally the same, like that is the question, um, guarantee our place in heaven. So Jesus, God, Jesus, who, you know, whichever person of the Trinity, um, God is the one who's responsible for Mm -hmm. um, guaranteeing our place in heaven. Yeah. I do think, right, that there are some things behind this question that um, make me kind of think. So one of the biggest, um, man, a, a huge issue that the church deals with, I think, um, and growing up the way that you and I both did growing up. I think up, I know where uh, you're going with this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like... It's all about getting to heaven, mm -hmm. right? The whole thing is, how do I get to heaven? And when you're saved, you're saved so you can go to heaven, right? And we, we really badly neglected the fact that when Jesus came, 
right? Physically, Jesus came in. Uh, what, what was Jesus' first sermon? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, mm-hmm. right? Jesus came introducing the kingdom. Um, so think about it this way. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus, King Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, however you want to look at it or say it, um, it's an already but not yet kind of thing, right? So um, to just, to, now it's not, it's not um, untrue to say Jesus died for me and I'm going to go to heaven, right? Um, but it's really incomplete. And if that's, if that's the, what we're living for so we can go to heaven, then, then it's really a shame. Um, because there's so much, uh, Jesus said, I come to give you life and life to, to the fullest, like abundant life. Right. And he's not just talking about when you die and he's certainly not Joel Osteen in it and talking about your bank account. Right. He's, he's talking to just about life in general, right. Flourishing human flourishing. So you could go to the beatitudes for that kind of thing. So, um, but that's a longer conversation. Yeah. Um, but live, live for right now, right? Like you have been saved from the penalty of sin, right? You are being saved from the power of sin and you will ultimately be saved from the very presence of sin. So it's important to remember that it's not just about, I got a ticket, I'm going to heaven, right? It's about living for Christ and living in Christ and living and being a part of his kingdom right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm ready to sit back and you can just preach that sermon because this is going really good right now. <laughs> I mean, I got nothing else. I mean, like that, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I think oh, I mean, one, one last thing on that is that I, so because you and I both actually grew up in a really legalistic, um, Pharisaic yeah. kind of obey the rules and, or you'll lose your salvation. Another teaser for next month. That's not possible. Um, but we, we, grew, we both grew up in that kind of um, situation and um, that created in me and still I struggle with this from time to time, that like question like I've sinned or I've done something or I've had this pattern of pride or whatever it looks like um, and I'll, I'll go, am I even a Christian, right? And that, I don't know the context of your question, how yeah. can we guarantee our place in heaven? Mm-hmm. But I wonder if if the question is coming from a place in you where you um, are struggling with that, like, am I even a Christian in the first place because of how I act or because of what I struggle with or whatever? And I want to say this is a great book for that, right? And you don't have to agree with everything that John MacArthur does or says. Mm-hmm. I don't, right? Yeah. Um, but this is an excellent book, Saved Without a Doubt. Um, it really helped me a lot with that. And, and I still kind of go back to some of the scripture references and things that he talks about. So super yeah. good. Well, I think uh, I said I had nothing to add and then you brought something else up. So now I have something to add, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, folks, this is the short one, but yeah, I know. Okay. Yes. I have to stop. And then we can get to the big, big <laughs> no, go maybe ahead. it'll flip flop. This will be the big question. That'll be short. One. But um, <laughs> the, I think like what you said with that is oftentimes what happens. And so, a lot of non-Christians that I do interact with often will bring up the fact that uh, Christianity is a set of rules or it's a control system to control people. Mm-hmm. And I think that though that's not a actual 
in like an actual good reading of the Bible, that is probably in some ways an actual way that the church has unfortunately sometimes presented itself in the yeah. sense that like going back to your example of how we grew up, it was very much a, if you do this, then you're bad. You're not a Christian, it not a, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very like, if I did this bad thing that I'm not anymore and now I have to make myself that again um, or just give up. And I think that that can be the perception of people outside the church. If there's not an understanding that his grace is sufficient that uh, sanctification is this long process, that yeah. it's not a matter of that you are perfect as soon as you are saved, you are justified, but there are, there's this, this lifelong thing with the Spirit. And um, it does come back, I think, to what you were saying before, where I was like, that's a sermon in and of itself, is like the abundant life. There's lots of people, I think, out that miss out on the joy of the Lord, like the real genuine joy of being a Christian. Yeah because you're so careful about what line you walk. Like you're scared to death that you're going to screw up. And uh, other than knowing that, that, you know, obviously you can't, in, we've talked about that a little bit in the last, but you can't intentionally sin and be like, well, he's got it. But you also <laughs> can't just like, you can't live in fear of the fact, and this kind of ties into the bigger question, but you can't live in fear of the fact that he's like, he's just waiting for me to screw up. Um, because yeah. that's not how it, it's not how the Bible presents it at all, but sometimes the church has, so it is very much, you know, when non-Christians talk to me and say, well, it's just a control system. I can see where they're getting that in some instances, uh, from how the church has sometimes, you know, put itself yeah. out there. Um, but I think that's the big difference between the perception of the church and in some ways of it's an actual thing that we're doing sometimes, uh, versus what the word actually says. So, um, like you said, we don't know where this question is coming from or who even, you know, said it, but, um, yeah, I just, I just knew like if, if I were asking this question because of my heart and my past and kind of what my leanings and struggles, mm -hmm. that's where it would be coming from. If I were asking the question, yeah. it'd be coming from how, how can I know that I'm saved would be another way that I would phrase kind of the same question. But yeah. So, I mean, I think that, like I said, I don't know if that helps, hopefully, you know, if you ask this question, you heard, heard the answer. Um, but that's the idea. It's not necessarily a ticket, but it's also an understanding that he's the one that does it all. So uh, he's the one, like you said at the beginning of the question, he's the one that guarantees the place um, through, through who, just who he is by, you know, by yeah. uh, grace through faith. So, um, and there's so much freedom in that. I hope that you hear that. Um, and I'm sure that you can probably speak to that too, but I, I know how I perceived who he was growing up versus how, who I know he is now, um, being saved in the sense before it was very much fear and I got to walk the line or I'm going to burn in hell. And now it's <laughs> I understand how holy he is. And so like, I know that there's grace there, even when you do mess up again, unintentionally yeah. sinning and intentionally sinning are two different things. But so there is that. Um, which I think ties a little bit. I mean, we're talking about fear of God and things like that. It ties into the bigger question, uh, which I think you have in front of me. I, I've got it on my phone. I'll have it pulled up. What is that bigger question that we're going to talk about? Well, uh, so there are two that are, um, did we say that, is it the immoral monstrous God question? Is yes, that what yes it is. Yep, yep, yep. So the question was, why does God seem to be an immoral monstrous God in the old Testament? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and 
I think I, um, I need the RC Sproul quote. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> Queued up. <laughs> right. Yeah, we need like we need actual buttons. That's what that's what you need to add, bro. <laughs> like buttons of these things. I'll talk to some people. I'll talk. We need to get <laughs> some sound bites up in here. Yeah. Yeah, you talk to your people. Yeah, I'll talk to my people. Um that's super cool that you have people. I can only assume you're probably just talking about Christina. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I really need to go on Amazon and buy the soundboard for that podcast. <laughs> I don't think budget-wise that doesn't fit into the our, our Dave Ramsey budget, so it's not gonna... yeah, right, right. Um, so. so the the really obvious um, scripture to go to is uh, Hebrews thirteen. I think it's eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and Look, I know it says Jesus and not Yahweh, but Jesus is God, right? The beginning of John gospel, the beginning of John's gospel is what? That uh, the word Jesus was here from the very beginning, that all things were made, were made through him, right? Um, and so Jesus is God, right? And the point of that is to say that God has been the same God since long before Genesis, Right. So from from all eternity past, he's been the very same exact God with the same character, the same thoughts, the same everything, the same who he is. It hasn't changed and it will never change. So um, why does it look like he's monstrous or immoral in the Old Testament? So I get what the question is saying, um, but immoral and monstrous are kind of two separate things, right? Um, and I think uh, we say God looks immoral. And when we say that, we're placing on God who creates reality, who creates morals. And we're, we're placing on him the same constraints that, that we like. Our mind is incapable of understanding the mind of God. So if God says, if God were to create a world, this world in such a way that um, killing your neighbor was good. Like right now, the way that we think we would go, that's horrific. But if God would have made it that way, that would be the standard for morality, right? Um, immoral. God, God cannot be immoral. That's the really short way to say that. Yeah. Well, because he is the definition of of morality that's Perfect. the thing yeah. so it's i mean that that's i think the great distinction in that that you pulled out there as far as monstrous and and more immoral so the assumption going into it is that your morality makes more sense than god's morality that that's the assumption i mean maybe not not the perceived assumption but that's what comes through in the question um and i have something i know this this is going to break the flow of thought but What's wrong with you people? Yes. <laughs> so there, there you go. Uh, that's what I would oh, say. Oh, so, yeah. So that, that doesn't break up the flow of thought totally. That actually fits in. So that particular, I'm assuming that some of you know where that, that, that audio clip comes from. But it specifically comes from a Q&A that I think fits really well into this question. Uh, the question that was asked at that Q&A was, why was God's punishment so severe on Adam and Eve in the garden? Um, and nobody really starts answering. And then R.C. Sproul says that iconic line, what's wrong with you people? Now he goes on to explain <laughs> something that's way like a lot deeper and that wasn't in that clip. But essentially what he says is that 
God's right response would have been to kill them. That's his right response because he's already set forth the rules for this. Uh, And his right response would have been to just, just to decimate them and be like, well, you disobeyed. But because God is just, uh, well, because God's holy, which is justice and mercy, uh, he he doesn't do that. He does not do uh, the thing that you know that it, it would have been called for. He actually shows a great deal of mercy on them, and I think that's it ties into this question in this manner. So, if we approach it and say, you know, why is he monstrous and immoral? One, like you said, Rob, it comes back to the fact that you think that your morality is better than God's. But the monstrous part is that I, I'm assuming. Again, we have to assume a little bit into these questions. You're probably referring to some of the things in the Old Testament where they go in and they kill the whole city or they bash the babies against the rocks or um, some of the, the, the bigger things that happen uh, in the Old Testament. And when it comes down, again, there's a whole lot. I don't know how much you want to get into this uh, with this question because it could go a thousand different ways. But in those things... We have to understand the the overarching, uh, the not only the overarching story of the Bible, but the overarching story of what God is doing in Israel, in the sense that He has He has chosen His people to put forth His name, uh, to essentially again the same reason He gives them laws and rules to be separate from other societies. Um, that that we don't process it, I think, again this way, and that's why the cross isn't so powerful to us. But God detests sin like detest sin. So we think, well, that was really evil. Like that's our thought. Like how could that happen? Like why would he say those things? But we don't have a proper idea of what sin looks like, uh, of, of how horrific that is, how rebellious that is. Um, and because we don't, I think we don't value the cross as we ought to value the cross. Like the cross mm-hmm. is, a, it is the picture of God saying, all of your rebellion, all of your just spitting in my face, it demands an answer. And instead of giving us what we deserve, which is death, he takes that upon himself to give us righteousness that was never ours and to take our sin, which was never his. And, um, and that great exchange that happens, we take it so lightly. We're just like, well, come, you know, and say his prayer or nail your sin to the cross and you're good. <laughs> uh, and we don't really, yeah. which, which then leads to a thousand other things of why we take things so lightly and don't live as, as we ought. Um, but in the Old Testament, it's not that God is immoral and, and monstrous. It's that he's dealing with sin, how sin ought to be dealt with. And that looks too severe to us when it's actually the proper response. So, yeah, yeah. And I think I think of um, Job a lot when these kinds of questions come up mm-hmm. and how God answered Job uh, toward the end of the <laughs> yeah. book of Job. Like if you are familiar, like a lot of horrific things happened to Job, mm-hmm. right? To his family, to like he had to endure a ton uh, things that uh, quite honestly, I, I don't um, it doesn't matter who's going to listen to this you can't compare anything that you've been through <laughs> to what Job had That's to go true through. Story, yeah. Right. Um, and I, God, if you look at chapter one uh, of Job, God, this is something that if you just read it uh, at face value, it looks as though God is simply playing games 
right? Like it, it can, it can look like that pretty easily. Like here's this man's like all of his kids die. Um, he loses everything he owns pretty yeah. much. Um, and his wife even kind of, uh, it says curse God and die. His, his, even his wife is going, this is ridiculous. I don't know why you're still worshiping this God. He's do- allowing all this or doing all this to us. Right. Um, and long book, but at the very end, uh, for like, what, how, how many is it? It's like two straight chapters. Uh, yeah, it's the, uh, 40, it might be chapters 38 and 39. Yeah. Straight two straight chapters. And then, um, and then in chapter 41 as well, God basically tells Job over and over again in a million different ways, I'm God, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Right? And um, uh, now I don't want to paint the picture that whoever asked this question is a jerk. I, I mean, I don't, it's, that's um, because I do this, right? Like we all kind of do this. We all yeah. look at God at, at times and go, oh my gosh, how, how could you, you know? Um, but to say, first of all, it's good that you used the word seem in the question at least, right? Yeah. Like why does God seem to be an immoral monstrous God in the old Testament? And the answer directly to that, that he seems to be that way in the old Testament because of our view, uh, like our finite little brain view of morality, right and wrong, that kind of thing. Right. Um, we can't imagine God any other way than like us yeah because we're kind of you know and so so like to think of him as this um perfect right okay first of all just just take that we can't imagine what that's like no yeah yeah well we can but we're wrong when we do (laughs) (laughs) right right that's what i'm saying like we it's it's not even something we can quantify yeah right? or, or put we can't even fathom what that looks like to be perfectly righteous perfectly holy never done anything wrong never had a wrong thought mm-hmm. yeah even like we can't imagine what that's like so for us dirty evil ridiculous chasing after other gods humanity for us in any way the best of us to look up to god and go how could you that's just a picture of us not understanding who god is right? yeah so well, and I think uh, like pulling out Job was like really good because so what I love about Job, I preached a whole sermon just on it was it was overarching on the whole book of Job. But like what's awesome is that at the end, like the ones you were talking about, where he literally goes, God literally goes through like everything. It's like, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Look at that. And then when Job's like, all right, I kind of get it. He goes, no, we're not done. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> And then he gets to the end and Job says something that I think all of us get to the point of at some point, if we've ever been a Christian, where we say, I thought I knew, but now I see. And it gets to the point where he, he sees the fact that all of these things. Now, again, the ironic thing about the whole book is that Job never knows what we know. He has no clue that God's saying to Satan, he'll he'll never like give up but you can try to do whatever you want like job never knows that job doesn't know that that's what's happening and so he's just going through his life literally like you said like everything that could go wrong goes wrong and then he has his buddies that are so theologically minded that they're no good to him 
And yeah. so it's, he's just there and he's in a place um, that, that I think just you're reading it and you go like, he's just like, I don't like, I don't want to say that you're like, he, he, he gets to the point where it's this really nice balance of like going, God, what, I'm a good, like, I've been a good guy. You're a good guy. Like, what is happening? And God goes, you don't get it. Like, you can't question me. Like, I made all of this. Do you even get a little bit of that? Do you even understand a minute Mm -hmm. piece of that? And Job gets to the point to where he's like, oh, no, I don't. I don't have, I don't have any understanding of that, which really I think is, should be eye-opening to us with this question in mind that, what might seem quote unquote monstrous um, we don't get, we get a little picture of, like I said, referring back to the cross and talking about sin and the severity of that we get a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, but we don't understand just like the weight of that, like the actual weight of that um, to the point, like on the cross that God literally can't look at it. Like he just can't. And um like the weight of that is so severe that it has to have not like some small response. It demands an enormous, uh, enormous thing that um, the things that we kind of look at and go, well, that's immoral or that's monstrous. Um, we don't understand that, like the severity and weight that that carries, I guess is what I'm saying. So like in the Old Testament, you see all those stories of, of death and killing and backstabbing and just all of these people that, uh, do things um, sometimes out of sin, sometimes because God's prophet says you need to go do that. Um, and people, I, I think this needs to be mentioned when we when we talk about this. People will say, and I know people that have said and have blogs and videos and things out there that say, well, all those horrible things, that wasn't God. That was somebody saying they were speaking for God. And then he, they went and did their own thing. And Jesus is actually the representation of who God really is with the love side. And they were just doing things because, for example, that prophet didn't like that nation. So he declared a word that was really his, not God's. And that's why they did those horrible things. But Jesus which is great. Really, Read Revelation. Yeah, it's just really, I mean, yeah, there you go. So we'll get, we'll skip to the end. Um, but like, and Jesus is really the real revelation of who God is. And I mean, I think the counterpoint is exactly what you said. Like, okay, well, you can do away with one thing. And again, so this comes back to the same thing every time. How high do you hold the word of God? Do you actually think, like, do you believe that it's the true breathed word of God or not? Um, Because if you do, you are going to approach it in a certain manner. And if you don't, you're going to approach it in a different way. Um, You're going to try to get rid of the quote unquote difficult parts, the parts you don't like, the parts that don't make sense. And I'm not saying, like you said at the beginning, uh, we don't look, I don't ever claim to have all the answers. I'm just saying that when you look at the overarching style of the Bible, when you look at the text, when you use textual criticism to actually look at all of everything that happens throughout, not just those couple verses, like what you see is an overarching picture of God that is holy and that demand, like sin demands justice. Um, and sometimes that justice to us looks maybe a little harsh, but we don't even understand how, like, how bad that is, I guess. So, yeah. And uh, Jesus more than, so I, I want us to understand too, that 
the Old Testament has some stories in it, right? Some things that happened, some things that God told people to go do, like straight up, mm -hmm. right? That to us, in our eyes, it looks horrendous. Mm -hmm. But the New Testament God, right, <laughs> is, is the exact same, right? There's no, there's no point in, in which God's, character looks any yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't look any different right the only difference is the new testament um i don't know a great way to say it but the, the new testament has this grace flavor right like the the new in the story of god the whole story of god there's like there's creation bliss perfection all that and there's the fall the rest of the old testament after genesis 3 is just this picture of the fall yeah. of the, the, here's the fall. Oh, this doesn't work to redeem. This doesn't work to redeem. This doesn't work to redeem Jesus. Yeah. Right. So Jesus is that perfect sacrifice. Now, in the, in, when you get into the new Testament, it is, um, we're, we're in this different age now, right? Where Jesus is the, the redemption part of God's story finally has arrived. And so the new Testament simply has a different flavor. It's about a different part of God's story. Yeah. Well, and it's the completion stories. to right. the first, the, the proto evangelion that's preached in Genesis. That's mm -hmm. the, 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 that almost the, the encapsulation of that sermon that the, you know, he will crush your head. Uh, yeah. And so it's not that the, like you said, it's not that the story's changed. It's just now that you are at a different part in the story. Now, the outcome is the exact same. So the, the, the penalty for sin is death in the Old Testament. And the penalty in the New Testament for sin is death. The difference is that Jesus took that death on the cross for us if we believe in him. Um, now, if you don't, again, this is going to come out and sound a little harsh, but it's what the Bible says is that if you don't trust in him, then that penalty for your rebellion is still death. Um, so it's not that the severity has changed. It's just that you have a much better perspective on uh, of like, it's been taken care of for us. If we choose to follow him, if we, if we, if we believe in who Jesus is, um, I guess is how I would put it. Yeah. Jesus. It's important for us to, to say too, that Jesus he talked about hell, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. About the, the wrath of God, all, all those types of things. He talked about them more than any other person in all of scripture. Um, Jesus. Now understanding point one, Jesus is God. Jesus is the God of the old Testament manifest in the flesh. Like, so Jesus is the same God who ordered those things to happen in the old Testament. Yeah. You know, um, and, and he comes into the new Testament with a message of grace, right? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's finally here. The, the thing that's going to work this time, the redemption, that's actually true. It's, it's here. I'm bringing it. Um, and then he says a lot of stuff, uh, like, um, he talks about uh, in Matthew 25, the, um, I never knew you thing, right? Um, he talks about, uh, hellfire, uh, cut. If your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. It's better to blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, and he talks about how, um, we should be uh, not afraid of man, but be afraid of the one who can cast your whole soul and, and body into hell. That's him. 
he's yeah. he's he's essentially he's talking about god the father in that moment but he is god and mm-hmm. so and we have to picture it in that light like jesus is the same god as god the father like there's one yeah. god and so um he literally didn't change from old testament to new um at all yeah so i think i mean again like what it comes down is that if we understand the 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 severity of sin in the old testament that you're probably in this question referring to um then it's like you just said it's not that it changes in the new it's just that he's the manifestation of this this same god that's been from genesis well before genesis like you said all the way to now and if we understand that that it's not a different god um that he's the same god yesterday today and forever but it's that this that the cross is actually this great picture of just how bad that our sin is, how bad our rebellion is. And it has always been, you can't yeah. read those old Testament stories and be like, well, those people were worse. You're just, we're just as bad as those people. And that <laughs> yeah. will sometimes, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're definitely on par with them. And that rebellion demanded an answer. And in the yeah. old Testament that came in the form of, of, of physical death. And I would say Jesus, actually those verses you just referenced to actually raises the bar. We're in the city saying, yeah, you, people could kill you, but there's way, there's things way worse than just being killed. And yeah, yeah. Uh, he actually takes it to a whole nother level. He's actually more talking in more of a severe manner than even the old Testament references. Mm-hmm. So that would be something there. So I, I'm hoping that answered the question a little bit. Do you have any closing remarks on that question? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know, nothing real deep other than it's, it's just, it's a matter of um, understanding who God is, uh, as opposed to who we are. Yeah, right? yeah. That's really what it boils down to. Like you, you have to understand um, what it it means that God is holy, that God is perfect, that God is perfectly righteous. Um, and you have to understand that we are the opposite of all those things, right? I <laughs> like the, just straight up the opposite. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, because God is a good judge, he would not be perfect if he was not a good judge, if he didn't perfectly judge. And, and when people rebel against the perfect, holy, righteous, almighty God of the universe, the only outcome is death. Mm-hmm. right death and hell so god rc sproul right i don't i'm not it's not an exact quote but he said it multiple times and and in many ways frankly um but rc sproul would say um like many reformed including me i guess i mean i i stand by it that um god's grace that that we think of when we think of jesus and love and dying for us on the if, if God would have simply chosen to save one person mm. and that's it and send everyone else straight to hell for their sin, he would still be the most gracious, loving, merciful being that we could ever imagine. And it's simply, it, it all boils down to how rebellious and disgusting and despicable and depraved do I see my sin mm-hmm. in the face of a holy God? If you see it correctly, 
then everybody in the Old and New Testament has quite the break. Even people who end up in hell get to live life yeah. uh, um, and experience many things that Way God better than anything, wonderful. Yeah, anything yeah. Exactly. Good deal. Yeah. All right, guys. So hopefully that answers a little bit of it. Um, again, like you said, I think what, what we're hoping you see in this question is that it's really, it's, it's a great question, but it's the perspective is a bit off. Yep. Um, so that's the biggest thing is if we, if we, if we put our morality above God's morality, we're, we are bound to get it wrong. Um, and it's the perspective yeah. of our sin versus God's holiness. So hopefully I answered the question. Um, again, some of the, you know, we'll expound a bit on this again in the link below, if you are curious or interested in that. Uh, and thank you for watching. We were going to continue this series next week, uh, addressing more questions that you guys have submitted. So thank you for watching, following, commenting, subscribing, all those buzzwords for social media. We'll talk to you next time.